Hiya, welcome to 2023. Is it the future or is it the past? Well, it depends on when you're listening. It is episode 94 and we're talking about science fiction film Radius, which came out in 2017. From beyond the farthest reaches of our galaxy they come. Two brains pulsing with a strange energy. These space brains come to share their love of science fiction movies. Hi, and welcome to Space Brains, the show where we joy watch sci-fi movies and then talk about what was good and what was great. I'm sorry, and this is Mark. Radius was written and directed by Caroline Labruche or Labruche and Steve <laughs> Leonard, but I'm sure I'm not pronouncing that right because these fabulous duo are Canadians and they might be French Canadians, maybe. It looks a bit that way. Uh, Caroline, Steve, if you're out there, correct me. Let us know what you were intending to do with Radius. Okay, this is your spoiler warning. Turn back now if you've not seen Radius because we're going to go through everything. Everything. Warning. So watch it and <laughs> then tune back in. Warning, warning, warning. Warning, warning. All right, on Space Brains episode 94, we're going to get stuck into what we call Act 1. So the synopsis of Radius is a man wakes up with no memory of who he is and finds that everyone who comes within a certain distance of him suddenly dies. It's a horrific premise when you read that little synopsis on the back of the VHS back in Blockbuster days or, you know, on the streaming services. Uh, it is kind of quite horrifying and it does make me want to watch 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 it and find out what, what, what how does this guy get around if everyone is dying around him? What was your... Number one takeaway from Radius, sorry. My number one takeaway from Radius is that birds are less valuable than people. <laughs> totally. Uh, <laughs> agree, I, agree. I'm, I'm going to assume they humanely created fake birds. It didn't yeah. say. Or bought you, dead birds. You can't bought, buy dead can you, birds. Can you buy dead yeah, birds? science. I think so, science. Scientists science, buy science. it to experiment. You can buy dead rats. And, and goats. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know if the goat was actually because you didn't quite see the goat die. You saw it like plop, plop down. So maybe it was like a guy in a goat, goat costume or a couple of cats. <laughs> I think it was a couple of clever shots there that Caroline and I, Steve. I think could so. In, in the past, us. I had the strange feeling they would have just killed the goat. Yeah, oh, yeah. She said, yeah. I just would just kill yeah. it. You know, yeah, just kill it for TV purposes. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll yeah. eat it on. We'll cast. We'll eat it. Castle, you know, like they're not being paid otherwise. No, I mean, why right. not? It's part of our catering budget. But I think birds, you could probably get fake looking good, you know, like good birds. Or I reckon you could, I mean, the science community that listen to Space Brains, can you get dead birds off the well, internet? Yeah, let's see. There was uh, a couple of crows and it's the pigeons that were particularly convincing to me that kind of, because mm. like you see that the people die. Yeah. And within the context of the film, you kind of go, oh, that's horrifying. Yeah, yeah. But you know that they're just, Actors yeah, who were falling, like they, I think, I'm going to, well, I mean, Steve and Carolyn, get in touch because if in fact you did murder hundreds of people to make this film, <laughs> ooh, I, I think maybe you should probably let me know. 
No, sorry, it's called acting. I think it was acting, acting. but it's very hard to get birds. Like they were very convincing yeah, looking. Yeah, no, they dead were dead bodies. birds. They were either dead birds or fake birds. They were. They, they didn't look fake. No. That's and that's what I actually found quite disturbing in this. Is like, oh yeah, okay, guy walks towards and falls down dead. You, ooh, that would be a terrible thing. But mm. then he's like, he steps back under the bridge, and and a couple of pigeons drop on the ground at his feet, and you're like, they look really real. They got that's actual dead well, animals look, there. The Canadians are a well-known hunting population, uh, like the Americans, Mm. uh, versus us in Australia. We don't, you know, most of us don't really hunt. I mean, some people do, but uh, they are into their guns and their shooting of animals in Canada. So, I mean, maybe... It's acceptable to shoot a few birds oh, the sky look, I don't know. for a film. I don't know. Who knows? Perhaps it was look, just I some euthanised you... pigeons from yeah. a, a culling program. Yeah, that's or, it. That's it. Well, they found, like, collected a couple that had banged into windows or something. I don't know. Yeah. That, that, I mean, I think, you, I think personally, I think you could get you can get dead rats and mice and stuff for science reasons. I think you could get dead pigeons. But I also, hey, if you're a prop maker out there, I mean, do you make dead yeah, birds? Yeah. It'd be something it's, I'm it's what It's what... I really took away from this. Yeah, all, <laughs> yeah that's other, your number one takeaway. That's my number one takeaway because it was just I looked at it going, they're not. That's not CG. That's no, they were and, real. And they, they, yeah, they looked really real. They had a real fur he, to them. Heavy the feeling, the feather and, and the movement when they plopped on the ground was very realistic. I will say the crow that drops down because you can train a crow to do stuff. Oh, right? So like an animal trainer, the shot was cleverly done in that as he walked towards the crow, it actually just dived down. So that would have been a trained crow. Yeah. But then they did cut to a shot of a dead crow on the ground. Well, that could that could have just been a um, what do you call it taxidermy yeah, job. That's you right. Know. Yeah, I mean crows do just die, and then you can just <laughs> like right. stuff one and stick on the ground. I mean, but, we have a lot of roadkill around here. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, well, well, here's an interesting one because this this film again, some of the best films you you have to toss up what exactly it is. Is this a hope warning or an experiment? And I toyed about this, but I am actually going to go hope. hope. And my so hope is the story is ultimately a, a story that presents hope for mankind. And my reason being that Radius is hopeful is basically the fact that the main character is a serial killer. Yeah. Before this incident, we we did give that spoiler warning. Yeah, ahead. we did yes. warn everyone. Uh, and so then, but then in this version where he's got no memory, he's actually uh, the hero, and he and he helps and he tries to help people, and he actually doesn't want people to die. Mm. So to me, there was kind of like an essential part of the story here that humans can be good. Even if, even if they were kind of the most evil, which he, you know, we end up finding out that he is. Yeah. And he, he really didn't want to, like, you know, all those people that were coming to him, he really strained. There's three or four scenes in this film where, you know, he does his very, very best once he knows that he's going to kill people to to avoid killing people. Yeah. And it's more that society doesn't listen to him. So I felt like it was hopeful. And then even the fact of what the way the, the film ends, that he does kill himself, that he kind of is sacrificing himself for the greater good of everyone. Which, um, which is the only sacrifice you can make. Any of these films yeah. where they sort of say, I must now sacrifice you, does that mean you're like, well, that's not a sacrifice. No, that's not That's really called a murder. Yes, yeah, yeah. Well, the hero should always, you know, be willing, yeah. willing to sacrifice. To we don't give, want them to. But. You have to give something personal up to sacrifice. Yes. Yeah. Otherwise, it's not a sacrifice. So I saw hope in that story, I think. Um, yeah, because I, I was looking at the experiment side of things. It's not a warning. Like yeah. It's not 
warning us against anything. But I thought, yeah, it's kind of it sets this premise. Yeah. What if someone it's just a had a, a death radius? Yeah, like literally, because cool because it is it really was just an embodiment of his serial killing nature, mm. wasn't it? It's was like he did have a death radius. Yeah, yeah. In fact, if you mapped out the missing people, it probably formed a radius, sort of radius around yeah. that town or, or something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it was kind of like, okay, well now literally we're going to show you that you are. A, a radius of death. Yeah, yeah. And so that's kind of an experiment, but definitely all the way up until the very end, where, as you said, it does, you know, through his death, it becomes hopeful. Yeah, I think up I until think that so. point, I was sort of going, ah, uh, you know, I don't know, but it's hope. There wasn't much hope there, and then, mm. and then at the very end, I think it pulls it out. Yeah, yeah. Which, which I think some of the better films are like that. They're not just clearly one way or the other until you sort of really. Think about them. Yeah. Have a bit of a look. And it's a great what if. That's what I mean. If you read that synopsis, that what if, the writer, the writers have gone for that, you know, oh, what if someone had a death radius? <laughs> like, yeah. what would happen? It's real clear, you know, when we get to fun and games, isn't it? It's like, well, what would happen if someone had a death radius? It's, oh. a, it's a, such a simple uh, caveman. You, you can understand it straight away. And yeah. um, I, I remember distinctly when I said to you, let's do this film, you're, you had that primal reaction. You were kind of like a bit of a grunt mm. knowing what that synopsis was. Yeah, oh, that sounds a bit horrifying. You know, it's <laughs> oh, like, yeah, and that's, that's what you think. Uh, you're also sort of thinking, how does that turn out yeah. to be anything other than just misery? <laughs> that's right. So, yeah, how you know straight away there's a bunch of questions. How are they going to navigate that? And it's a, so it's a really cool premise and I think it's a great example for any writer out there of a good what if that makes someone want to know, well, how does that play out, you know, and how does that actually operate and why would that happen and, and how would they navigate that, you know. So, and we'll come to a bit more of the story in a minute. Um was this so? This was my first time. Was it your first time? Oh, absolutely, first time. I'd never heard of this before. Uh, as it turns out, I looked it up after the fact, watching it. Yeah, and it's got you know pretty good ratings it does. on the yep. old Rotten Tomatoes, and yep. not a lot of reviews, but they're all positive. Yeah, and um, Caroline and Steve, especially Caroline, she's she's actually done a lot of short film and TV productions in Canada as well. Mm. Steve's done a couple. These two have worked on a couple of productions together, including this one. Um, and so, yeah, obviously, well, looking at Caroline in particular's resume on IMDb, it, there is quite an extensive TV Canadian um, mm. film production experience there. So we were put in the hands of people that really know what they're doing, and I think it's such a tight-framed, clearly well-defined story, and then really just... You know, where as an audience, we're just kind of like chucked on the ride straight away and we go for that journey. So, um, for me, it really was a great film just to kind of sit down and watch. It's that 90 minute kind of film, which I always love. So, you're just kind of in and you hit those beats and you're following and you, you want to know what happens. Um, and did you have a favorite scene? Sorry, oh, apart from birds falling out no, of the sky. Well, I, I absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely had a favourite scene. Yeah. And my favourite scene was the elevator ride in the hospital. Oh, yeah. Cool scene. Uh, that, that uh, yeah, because this is definitely in that fun and games, was in the fun and games section yeah. where they're at the hospital to get the, the brain scan and they're heading to just leave. You know, and you think, okay, they're just, just going to leave, mm. you know, and they head out and then um, old Rose, or I think she was still known as Jane, Jane at that yeah. point. Uh, stop to see the missing persons board. And then, you know, Liam gets into the elevator and you're like, oh, 
oh, surely he'll just stop. No, and it's closing. And the realisation that they're in the middle of this hospital, in fact, the elevator itself is packed. Yeah. They're in the middle of a hospital, so there's people, lots of people packed mm. around them in a radius. It's quite terrifying. And the thought that, yeah, it's just going to be this elevator of death, <laughs> floor to floor to floor, killing everyone yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, around him. And, yeah, so she had to run for it. And they'd already shown they're quite willing to, you know, a whole diner full of people dead. Yeah. You know, the tractor dude just walks up and just drops dead. The mm. police officer woman who's then child's mum, mum. <laughs> right. You're like, oh, my God, no. <laughs> What's right. going on? And so, yeah, it's like uh, you thought the stakes were, were harsh. Well, okay, they've overcome this. Like she's going, oh, well, I'm getting out of here. Mm. And the police officer dies. And so yeah. she goes, oh, well, I can't. And now they, they go, okay, that's that's some stakes. But now what we have to do is like she's decided to say, but what if there are scenarios where they don't get that choice? Mm, yeah, yeah. Where they are broken apart. That's right. And here is one of such things. Yeah, you know, yeah. like in a, it's this great chase scene and it's it's a great way of injecting a action and drama and thrills in a movie in mm. a yeah, movie that otherwise is is relatively low action. Yeah. Like it's it's a lot lot of psychological stuff going on mm. here, but they have this chase an elevator chase mm. where she's running down the stairs and he's like looking but she's not there and he, he's like he's do i go up do i get he's down? going like i just <laughs> gotta get out of the hospital basically yeah, yeah, yeah. uh yeah so that was that was very good i found that very thrilling because yeah. um the filmmakers had shown they're willing to mass murder which yeah. you know but i, I thought oh this is a bit Pretty dark in a hospital. Yeah, and I think the stakes were raised there because, as you said, there was a bunch of people in in the elevator with him, and you know these people are sick. One was in, I think, a wheelchair. One mm. was, in, you know, so it's like it was the opposite of save the cat, wasn't it? Because yeah. it was like, oh, if you stay in this elevator with this dude, he's going to kill you. But even then, we know the radius is, I don't know what it was, fifteen meters or yeah. whatever it was, not very far from between the two characters. That then people are just going to be dropping dead, and and these poor people are in the hospital. They're kind of locked in a box, aren't they? Yeah, in an so elevator. So you, you you know, I I I felt the same in that scene that my heart started to race a bit. That's like, yeah, you, and you you're locked in with these people. Yeah, you know? I, and, I thought it was, it was yeah. a really clever way of introducing that action and drama and mm. like this like having like a set piece in the middle, which wasn't gun shooting and no, fight no. scenes or anything no. like that. It was just this very tense. Mm. Moment that yep. that I was I was um, you know on on the edge of my seat going ooh what's going to happen here yes. it, it reminded me of the I am legend scene where his dog yeah. is runs off into the darkness yeah. and he's got to follow the dog through because yeah, yeah. you know he's not going to die mm. but the dog the dog could die <laughs> like they, they could, like they may well have included this dog just to kill it that's right so that we can get the stakes yeah. and it sort of does happen that way yeah. but in this one here yeah I was it's like oh don't know that's yes. sort of a great scene. How about you? Do you have any favourite scene other than that one? Well, I, I I must admit I really liked just that start of this story and how that he kind of is, it's such a, you know, like a, there's an accident straight away and we only see that in a couple of shots and then his bafflement of it and then walking down the road and a car's coming and he's kind of signalling this car and the car just veers off the road and, crashes kind of thing as well, like a minor crash and the woman's dead. And I thought, oh, wow, like this is a great way of just starting this story and the stakes are raised straight away, you know, because mm. I knew I knew what the question of the film was from reading the synopsis. So it's like, okay, yeah, this guy, everything he touches is going to die, you yeah. know, and I thought the filmmakers were really brave to, you know, in the first two minutes we've seen that. You yeah, know? So uh, I, was, was, I was going, going, 
oh, what what sort of inciting incident are you going to have? Like yeah. we've already got this occurrence. Like because you, you could imagine an opening image where he's driving, he's yeah, established yeah. a bit of character. Yeah, who he is, all that stuff. And then at about the 12-minute mark, that's when he has a car accident mm. and wakes up and starts killing people. And you yeah, go, that's yeah. inciting incident. Yeah, that's but right. here we go, we're straight in, two straight minutes in. in. And, I mean, there's reason for that, which we find out. Mm. But I liked that that was the, you know, bam, straight into it. And I just thought that was a really clever way that, you know, they did hit, they did that female driver and then you just mentioned the farmer was like five minutes later so it was really establishing you know that yeah he has this death radius yeah and it wasn't a gentle one no it wasn't a gentle one and there was no way out of it and um yeah so i just i really liked that i mean there's a couple other good scenes like the hospital scene and the police coming to get them and separating them scene and you know some other really great scenes but i just i just personally i really liked how this film started Mm. because I thought, hey, you're giving us everything that we really want to just keep watching it. Yeah, straight straight in on it. Is this a science fiction film, sorry? Well, you know, it, it would be easy to say that, in fact, it's kind of not. But I would but suggest... But we're doing it on our podcast. I would say, yeah, I know. Well, you know, we also did The Dish, which, you know... Yeah. Don't <laughs> tell mean, anyone. It's, I mean, it's science fiction. It's yeah. science But this fiction. one here... Um, I would put it in there because what we're deal- dealing with here is we're taking um, a scientific concept regarding uh, who you are, yep. uh, you know, is it nature or nurture, uh, what what can define us mm-hmm. and how can we, is it possible to make amends? Mm-hmm. Can we change um, the way the world sees us or, or how we operate? Mm. Um, and then, so that's like it's a real psychology, sociology thing here and, it, and it's used, uh, it, you know, it's not defined exactly what happened. Like this, this lightning strike comes from just a glowing orb above the Earth. Mm. Like we, we're not, we have no other context about it whatsoever. Yeah. So you could easily interpret that as being a, a religious, spiritual thing, mm-hmm. or some sort of an aliens yep. thing, or may, maybe the whole world is is continuously monitored experiment. I yep. don't know. Yeah. Yep. Like it's it's left entirely out of it. So that. That sort of is where you consider it's not terribly science fiction, but I think here they've taken this this premise of who you are, your identity, and how you act, and then they've introduced this extreme f- fiction element. Mm. So we've got the science, now the fiction element comes in and says, well, let's set this up mm-hmm. and play out uh, an example. Like, an, And the message was hope in this case. Yeah. Uh, and, and they played out. So, yeah, you, you'd be struggling... Uh, and I think the science element really is the fact that if you didn't have that lightning's flash from some mysterious alien object, you'd be going, that's just not how amnesia works. That's not <laughs> how any of this works. Like, you know, you've got that you know, loss of premise. You're trying to explain it away as just some sort of love thing or magic thing. And you're like, Ugh. But, but in this case, it just like went, no, no, go with us here. Yeah. Something did just happen and it has caused this effect. Yeah, yeah. Now but, let's go with it. Type but isn't the... The phi, the fiction in the science, the fact of a person that could walk around and kill people at a just at a distance. Like that was yeah. the thing that he early he debates, and when Jane comes on the scene, you know, and and he tells her when he does actually tell her, her freak, oh, you're going to do it to me? What are you going to do? And he's like, I'm not doing anything, mm. you know. So isn't isn't part of the fiction, the science fiction in this, the yeah. fact of like a person having that ability? Because as humans, we don't have yeah, that. Ability. Yeah, that's that's that premise so, where they say just. This is just the situation we're going to set up. Mm. The the cause of it was this 
mysterious well, it's a hand. it could be any hand of god an mysterious alien whatever thing but, yeah. happened yeah yeah you uh, need a sequel that's what you need to find that but out. it's definitely because they never introduced any spiritual or magical no the rest of the world was very real in, in fact they were going let's go to the scientists yeah, let's, let's get scans let's, let's talk to nasa yeah like so doctors blah, so blah, blah. i think i think the filmmaker said look let's not go into the world no, of magic here we're no, going to no. we're going to keep this in the realm of science reality as yeah. it were yeah, and we just go with it. And I think there was mention really briefly on one of the headlines, something like a cosmic lightning ray or something. Yeah. A NASA cosmic event, a cosmic event. You know, so that's what the writers have put it down to. And yeah, you, you, but I, I mean, again, I like this because it's a hand of God. That's kind of the writer's term here. Like the writer is the God, and gone well. How can this? How can this? What if happen? Oh, he just gets electrocuted yeah, from the sky. You know. Okay. Well, no one's ever had that from lightning. Well, what if it, the lightning came from space? Yeah, just some glowing thing in space, yeah. and it's just. And we're struck. not going to. It's not Independence Day where we're going to find out it's an alien spaceship. It's yeah. just literally anomaly in space. Like, whatever. Said, right? You, you can come up with whatever explanation yeah. you so chose. So, so I like that, and I, I think it's a interesting. I think that what if says a lot, and I, I do think it's in that science realm because the sci-fi realm, because as humans, we can't walk around just zap people dead. And we're not Harry Potter where we're doing wishes and wands and, you know, spells and whatever. Right. Like yeah. where he wasn't doing that. He had no actual control of it. Um, so I, I do think it is a really clever sci-fi. So go check it out and we'll, um, get into some more details in act two, but just before that, <laughs> Surrey is a published science fiction author. What creative sci-fi related materials are you putting out into the ether uh, soon? soon? If not now. Yes, well, I've, I've, <laughs> what's the plan of action? Yes, I'm I'm writing an additional 20,000 mm-hmm. words on cool. my novel, which, new writing, which stopped too soon. Yep. Like it, it got through its plot points too quickly. Yep. Uh, and so I am. I, as I said prior to this, I, I ran through all the chapters I had written and yeah, awesome. You know, um, worked out what they what what uh, purpose they served. Yeah, the story, and I had to rejig one of the enemies in there around. It was a side enemy. I'm going to make them the primary one because they make a much better primary enemy, and sort of change that a little bit. Uh, I'm also then. I sadly attempted a bit of romantic interaction in this this novel. Mm. Turns out that I'm really, really not good at that. <laughs> Ask my wife, and somehow I got a wife. Uh, but uh, yeah, so um, that that will be coming along. You need a bit um, of romance. You need to read a bit of Twilight or something, don't you? Uh, Fifty Shades yeah, well, of Grey. Well, you see, the problem is my my brain just doesn't work that way. <laughs> I cannot even. So what I what I'm going to do is. Yeah, the problem is the way my brain does work, when you write it down and read it back, it's like this person's not right. <laughs> so, well, maybe a listener out there or listeners could uh, message Surrey some romantic ideas, yeah, things yeah. to do, and he could just use them on his wife, not in a book, but, you know, he could just, he could just take, oh, them, yeah, take the lead. <laughs> don't get too intimate in your descriptions here. No, so. no, no. I'm just saying those, those yeah. ideas, those big picture ideas. I, I'm thinking here, Surrey, because this book idea you was something you had a bit developed and then now you left it and then you've gone back to it 
How are you finding that process of coming back oh. to a project? Is it harder, do you think, oh, than well, maybe writing something just from scratch and doing the words? It, or the do you actually bit, think it's, it's, it's good because the, the fundamentals are there? The harder bit is trying to remember how to get back into the characters. Mm. So when I'm writing it the first time, I, I, I'm feeling the character and I'm, yeah. and I'm writing as if, you know, you from the their point of view. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And now I'm reading it back and going, oh, I've got to remember what it was I was doing here. But the good side of it is there are, you know, there are portions that I read are a bit cringy, like yep. some of my efforts of the romance, what have you. But there are other bits there, like there's a slight, slightly comical interlude there mm-hmm. where um, uh, a fellow goes to a, a sheep station entirely populated by men named Martin. Okay. Which is, <laughs> Interesting. Yes. Need to read. There's Martin Martin and, and, yeah. and his son, Martin Martin. Martin. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, it, it's... There's like a, there's a little funny story about yeah. why all the men are called Martin, and um, anyway, so so that's quite good. I read that, and and when I read that back, I went, "Yep, that's actually quite amusing." That is, yeah. it's not outrageous; like it makes sense in the world. Yep. But at the same time, it's kind of a little bit ah, oh, what a what a quirky sort of little mm. outback thing that would be. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then there was a, a couple other sort of parts that were genuinely creepy, mm. uh, and um, a few. Yeah, choice turns of phrase and metaphors that I use. I thought, I, you know, I actually came up with some good stuff here. Some yeah. of it's written really well. I should just steer clear of trying to uh, get in the heads of romantic people. <laughs> There's something to be said for writing in the create, what I would call like the creative zone. So you've kind of got the idea it's mm. pumping through you, whether you're seeing it from a character's point of view or maybe it's almost like you're the... You know, you're the god over the whole world and you can just see all the characters as kind of like pieces on a chessboard. But for me, there's times where it's it's all encompassing, you know, and, mm. and there's something to be said about that. But then there's also something to be said about you've written a bit of a draft and then actually going back and, you know, rewording and rewriting. And there's a couple of those expert, you know, well-published authors, the big authors out there, I won't name names right now, but... You know, they talk a lot about, you know, the the difference between a beginning writer and an actual published writer is the one that's willing to go back and edit the draft and yeah. do it again. And, 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 and realise that out. a part is yeah. just not right. Yeah, realising a part's not right, but realising, as you just said, there's actually bits that are good or there's mm. bits that are worth saving or there's bits that might just need a bit more twerking, tweaking, whatever, but they're there. Yeah. A bit more twerking. Twerking, get the twerking. I'm going to put that in now. I'll put some twerking in there. That's how you get romance. Sorry. Romance. A bit of twerking. <laughs> <laughs> Get Martin twerking with Martin. He stood Ooh. up. He stood up from looking at the dead body and twerked. Twerk, that's right. My, she thought, what a strong twerker he is. Yeah, that's right. Showing off his yes. twerking. As it was actually, actually, yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, I won't go into some of the um, the weirdo stuff I was getting into. Hmm. No twerking, but there were dead bodies. And you know what? Another thing there is. Write the weird shit, man. Write the weird shit. I reckon. Yeah, yeah. the weirder the better. You got you got to have some strange stuff in there. Well, yeah. I've I've got my other story there, which I've mm. I've written um, about three quarters of, which is uh, a little bit more sort of weird cyberpunk sort of stuff going on. Well, just on that, Quentin Tarantino, there's a quote from him saying something like, "Write stuff that will make you embarrassed," mm. and I think what he means is write the weird stuff that you you're writing it and you're like, "Ooh, I don't know if I should let this." Let the public know I think this or I know this, you know. And if you think about some of Tarantino's films, yeah, well, that's what he's done and people love it. Yeah, well, I, okay. Um, <laughs> Go to I the sh- weird. I shan't pretend to be Tarantino, no? but uh, I shall take a stab at it. And and yourself uh, looking over your 
film that you're putting together. Like trying yeah. to get a, I think you call it a, a budget-friendly filmable yes. film. <laughs> yeah. So and I, that's taken another step in that my writing of it is progressing, which is really great. So I kind of got the beat board and I've um, got all those ideas laid out on the beat board now, which I'm really excited about. And I think I really do now know what, like we've said, this film is about hope. I think what's happened as I've like laid out the story a bit more formally is that I now know really what the story's about. Right. And I can visualise the bits. Uh, I'm really kind of excited about the lead character as well. I, I like where my brain has kind of gone with her. And pretty much the advice I was just saying to you is I do want it to go a bit weird. I do I do want her to get a bit weird and funky. Is and she, she going to twerk? She might have to twerk now that we're talking. <laughs> I don't know. Hadn't thought about twerking, but maybe she maybe that's a weird character trait, isn't it? If someone just twerks. It's scene, um, night, interior. That's right. Jasmine twerks to the <laughs> <That's right. laughs> twerks to the kitchen and and picks up an apple. Yeah, that's right. You know, like you imagine the poor old be... actress reading that going. Uh, I'm sorry, she does what? <laughs> Twerks. Twerks. That's what I to want to see. To the kitchen candle. We're going to do this a few times, honey. <laughs> see if you can manage to twerk across the room. That's right. I want to get an twerk apple. to get the apple, yes. You so really want that apple. You do. You do. <laughs> <laughs> it's in the twerking that will reveal that. So, yeah, I'm, I'm happy that that's taken another step. Also thinking of a um, short experimental mobile film that I might want to do later this year, like a short film Mm. and just kind of, yeah, crossing the boundaries a bit. Like I've got an idea that I think could be a little bit horrific and yeah, I think it could be just, and maybe actually it's funny to think of that as a short film would actually be a really great place to experiment with it. Mm. So that uh, it, cause it could, the idea I've had, could you could maybe potentially make it into a bigger story, but it'd be interesting to experiment in the short form. Um, so that it's still in its infancy that idea, but an idea has come to me that I think might work. And I've, and like here we do the Space Brains Film Festival. There's also the WA Made Festival, and they have a specific mobile phone category. Yeah. So yeah, it might be something that just as a bit of a aim that I actually do do that for that and. Yeah, I know there's other film festivals around the world that do mobile, so, you know, you could just say, yeah, why not experiment in that zone and have a bit of a... Just to take the pressure off it trying to be cinematic and just going a bit more the the actually leaning into mobile phone footage. So that's what I mean by that, like experimenting a bit with it. So, yeah, a couple of, a couple of things on the burner and also wanting to define... Mark Regan, the filmmaker, a bit more. And so, yeah, I'm doing a bit of creative process around that at the moment. So, um, yeah, there's probably a bit of shifting of the sands in that zone as well. Great yeah, work. Which, and we have come. We have a 2023 film festival. Yeah. Uh, there's uh, lots of entries. They're still coming in. We're, we're into our late submission period. We are. Uh, we've got some, uh, we're organising some workshops at the moment. Yeah, we're into that phase. Yeah, uh, just um, waiting to hear back from a proposal for a sci-fi writer who yep. will give us a bit more of a hands-on uh, ex- experiment process workshop this yep. time so awesome. that we can get some real work in there. Yeah, I think I'll sit there and take notes. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll be <laughs> cracking along that too. Yep. Uh, and organising our um, uh, location for screenings. Mm. So that'll be good too. So if you're thinking of making a film now you've got to get cracking now yeah. it's not there's not sort of we we're joking last year about 
you know, you take a bit of time, get it in. You know, the sooner you get in, you save money. Now it's the other way. Now you've got to get it, get it going. <laughs> hopefully you're in post-production um, right now. Yeah, hopefully you're more in the editing phase, especially by the time you hear this episode. It might be even closer to that that final date. So we've got a, you've got a couple of months, and although that might sound like a long time, it's not in filmmaking. So get moving now, um, unless you're going to run out with a camera and shoot the solar eclipse and that's part of your film or something. I don't know. So, but make it happen. We'd love to see it. Submit your film now and get a chance to see it on the big screen. So, let's move into Act 2 of the episode. I choose Act 2. I do. We choose to zone on, zone over into Act 2 and take the journey, sorry. Hopefully, if you're listening, you're going to take it with us. And we're going to get stuck into some of the filmmaking um, language and some of the plot and some of the devices and techniques. Uh, I know there's a couple of uh, motifs and themes that I'd like to pull out in this film. There's a couple of really cool shots. Mm. Uh, We're also going to look over, you know, the structure of the whole thing. Yep. So we did mention before Caroline and Steve, the writer-director, they've worked on a couple of things previously. Caroline's done a whole bunch of stuff. The lead in this is also um, Dago Christophoff, who plays Liam Hartwell. He's been in a whole bunch of US TV and stuff. I think um, Homeland, he was in Homeland as one of the main characters. And, yeah, you look him up in IMDb, he's got a very exhaustive list. And so does Charlotte Sullivan, who plays Jane slash Rose. Um, and, uh, yeah, again, she's been in a couple of big TV shows. The one is slipping my brain right now, unfortunately. But um, yeah, Slipping again, My Brain, that'd be a good TV yeah, show slipping, name. Slipping My Brain is the lead. She's the lead in that. And uh, Brett Donahue plays the her husband as well. Um, so, again, you know, again, as a writer, this is one of those ones that's three, it's really two characters and a bit of a third one. Yeah. And everyone else is really a minor everyone character. Everyone else just dies. Everyone else dies or... Walks into death, basically. Um, and it was filmed in... Manitoba? Mat- Manitoba, is, which is a province of the Canadian Canadian lands. Canadian land. <laughs> That's hey. right. I love a good uh, Canadian land. Um, so, yeah, uh, interesting location. I um, thought that there was this very familiar feeling to those dirt roads... With the power lines. It oh, reminded yes. me of locally to here. I reckon we could almost shoot the same. It's just the greenery is a bit different. Yeah, we don't don't have so much greenery. No, it's, it's much dry. But we have that we have that dirt road and the power line. Power line, <laughs> dirt road. Yeah, yeah, like we have that same vibe. And and I also liked that then the town and the bridges they used, it just had a bit of a different feel to what we see out of a lot of the US productions you know it yeah. felt like we were all, it felt like we were off the beaten track a bit and I, I liked that it was it was quite an interesting world that he lived in and there's a reason for that <laughs> as yes. we know um that we'll come to in a minute so let's break it down the key parts of the plot and we'll talk about some of those other filmic elements as we go throughout uh basically we like to break the narrative down into some key uh, beats which make up a structure of then a entire story or what we might call a good story. Um, if you look at all the big writing teachers that have been around, you can go back. There's a whole bunch of them. Uh, there's a whole bunch specifically for script writing as well that we refer to people like Campbell, Snyder, McPhee, Mick 
Fee Mickey and Field are some really good household names in the script writing world. If you don't know them, go Google them. Uh, they've all written best-selling books on how to write a screenplay and there's other ones out there, but essentially it is setting up that all good films have a three-act structure and then those three acts are broken down into key moments or beats or scenes and those scenes are set up in a particular way to get the audience from the beginning to all the way to the end and hopefully have a very satisfying Mm. experience whilst watching. And I think one of the good ways of thinking about these sort of beats or points is that they are the things that drive the story forward. They they make the next part of the story make sense to the earlier parts. Correct. And that's how you can tell a well-written story, movie or novel Mm. or whatever it is compared to one that's maybe been a bit rushed or lacking in effort or something is that... You get from point A to point B, but you don't feel like there's a real need or reason to be at point mm. B. So yeah. how do we do that? So we, we're talking about an act one structure. Yes. And here we have, for example, an opening image, a bit of establishment. We introduce characters. So we could well imagine a uh, an overhead like drone shot, which is nice for setting up loneliness. If, you've, if you look at a lot of horror films, they do the mm-hmm. overhead drone shot following a car through the hills or something. Yeah. Sort of sets that up. So we have an overhead drone shot uh, of uh, a man and a dog trailing slightly behind him. And we just sort of follow that along. Is a quiet bit of wind blowing. A tumbleweed, which is there's always <laughs> a tumbleweed uh, or the filmic equivalent, whatever the th- thematic equivalent is at the place, is to have something moving through that represents lack of other people, like a bit of newspaper or a leaf or something or a plastic bag. Or a feather like Forrest Gump. Or a feather. <laughs> yeah, feather. So that's sort of the introduction. We have this thing. Then we, we're going to move straight in and look at the inciting incident. And I like the inciting incident um, because that's the point in the movie, right at the start, where you, you go, oh, okay, this is what we're sort of going to, the journey we're going to go on is this, or it's probably going to be this. Yeah. Uh, even if it is someone different, but you need to have established early on about we often say about the twelve minute mark, twelve yep. to fifteen minutes, depending on your, you know how big bang this is. Yes, but you need to grab by that point there. You need to tell the audience this is what the film's about. Mm-hmm. Um, so get ready for something cool. Yeah, and and in this case here, you know you got the guy walking through the the the, the planes, dusty planes, with a dog walking behind him, trying trying to stop. You can see this. There's no one else around him. He's walking along, and then. You know, we, we get a couple encounters where he stops at a waterhole. He goes and, you know, picks over some trash, uh, a broken down car. But then he'll be walking through the plains and then there'll be quite clearly there'll be footprints crossing in front of him. And this whole time we've never seen any. Mm. It's been very well established that he's in a world that is empty. Mm. It is desolate and it's just him and his dog. Yeah. And then he sees footprints. And this is, this is the inciting incident because it leads to the debate. He'll, he, he will stop. And I'll go, oh, do I follow these things? And maybe he talks to his dog and says, hey, dog, do we, do we follow that or are they going to try and kill us? We came across those cannibals before. And then... <laughs> yeah, and, like, and so now you've got this debate. It's like, and as the audience, you go, oh, he's definitely going to follow them. Like, yeah. we know that. Like, it would be a very short and boring film if you went, nah, okay. Yeah. And you just trundle off into the desert again. You go, oh. But instead, yeah, so he has, to, has a bit of a debate there. He has to may, maybe even... Um, uh-huh. he, he's going to walk off, but then dog whimpers. Yeah. And he goes, yeah, you're right. 
we've got to find out what's going on here. Or maybe actually, I'll go to, here's a better one. He is about to walk off and he takes one last look at the tracks and notices that one of the tracks is child's track. Yeah. And there's some drops of blood. Yeah. And he goes, ooh, suddenly. And as the audience, you, you know what this movie's going to be about now. Yeah. He's going to track this and is either going to save them or help them or yeah. or he's going to be a vampire. Who knows? Yeah. It's going to be exciting. And that's and that's where he goes, okay, debate server, I'm following this. This is it's been made up, and he goes on, and that breaks us into Act Two. Yeah, so Act Two is basically that we take that setup, take that journey. The character is going to go on it, and we can call that like the fun and games. And quite often, this is like the trailer of the film. So in this example that Surrey's been setting up, we've got a character, and he finds these people, and then but when he finds them, it's not what he expected. So maybe he can't find that bleeding child, and in fact, this this what he finds is a ruthless gang of murderous, torturous, Mad Max end-of-the-world-style people who capture him and tie him up and sacrifice him to some false god and he has to escape that. And he all the time he's looking for this bleeding child. But, in fact, they never had the child. No. And, but the child went off on a different direction. And so then he follows that and, and he comes across the fact that there's another group of humans that are actually extremely, um, you know, nature-driven and they've got a little protected uh, garden that's hidden from the terroristic kind of people out there and they kind of take him in and, and he, and he, you know, starts to get peace with the land. But what it turns out is that they were, they're really kind of falsifying their serenity and there's some sort of leader that, I don't know, you know, rapes and pillages all the people in the village and they're going to, and he's the next sacrifice to the the dictator. And so he has to escape from that. But then maybe he can escape, but not his dog. Oh no! To raise the stakes. This is this is so you, we're hitting so the midpoint. You know, you know the dog. You know he can just get out of the gate, or the dog gets eaten alive and ripped apart by this dictator thing or whatever, right? Oh, you have a touching moment where the dog yeah. sacrifices itself, like yeah, the dog actually sacrifices itself so that he can get free and just gets out the gate, whatever, right? From these people, um, and. You know, that, the thing is, these people were well-resourced, so maybe they're going to actually now, they eat the dog or whatever. Oh, well, yeah. They, KFD. Whatever they do with the, with the dog. and then But they decide to actually hunt him down and mm. leave their gate. So they go out and they start hunt. So he's got his bit of a chase sequence here that, you know, the bad guys are, are closing in on closing him. in on him, you know, because yes. they're coming after him as they go. And the, he's, you know, and now he's got no supplies, maybe like diehard left his shoes at the camp. So he's barefoot out in this desert Because oh, they asked him to experience the grass under his toes. That's and right. He hasn't know. seen grass in years, not since he was a kid. So he took his shoes off for sure. That's it. So he's, you know, he's real, and you know, he's got no supplies, got no water, whatever. So he's really in the terrain, and whilst he's in the terrain, there's maybe some sort of, also, I don't know, snake. He gets bitten by a snake. Oh yes, because or, this is one of the things after that you know, midpoint, like, and the bad guys are closing. You've just got to get worse. You've got to make, worse. A, you've make it worse. You've got to hit that rock bottom moment <laughs> yeah. where he's gone. You know what? I've lost my dog. I've been bitten by a snake. My feet are all cut up. Yeah, I yeah, I've got no hope for food. Yeah. Um, you know, should I give it in? Yeah, this is this is too much. I can easily just, yeah, I don't know. Maybe he sees like a, a cliff or something. He's thinking, yeah. I could just crawl over and jump off that cliff. So whilst he's standing near this cliff, he we kind of maybe get some sort of flashback to him being in a suit 
and coming down for breakfast and he's got a wife and a child. Oh, of course. You know, and the child and, and, and you know, the child is there. And on the news is something about an, a, a lightning bolt from <laughs> the space, right, right, zapping a tower, you know, like it's the same idea as, as Radius. And, you know, they're, they're not sure what's happening. There's a lot more lightning in the sky than there ever has been, you know. Yes. And things are getting zapped and fires are starting and the police are doing their best. And, of course, it's an indication society's at a bit of a precipice. Um, and he has a touchy moment with his child. You oh, know, yes. maybe the child's trying to do some maths or something or mum's being a bit narky to the child and, he, you know, he just has a nice father-daughter moment. And... It's with that that he remembers that he set off on the journey um, to look for that child, that bleeding child. So he's yes. like, you know, for maybe that maybe in the flashback, his child says, you know, you always look out out for me, and he'll be like, yeah, I'll always look out for you. Oh, yeah, I'll look Daddy out will always look out for you, you know. And so he was on the edge of the cliff, but he decided, you know, he's now got a bit of gumption to no, I'm going to find that child. Even oh. with a snake bite and no resources and a hunting oh, party, and he's about to, I'm going to do he's it. looking down the cliff on the rocks down there. Yeah, and then he sees, he thinks he sees the child is he down there walking. The <gasps> yeah, and this is this is where we've we've bounced off rock bottom. Yeah, and maybe that hunting party is is heading that direction. He can see them. Oh yes, he can. So see they're him. actually heading for the child. Oh no, not him. But they're after him, and so he's like, well, I could just kill myself, and who cares. But no, he's got the gumption. So then he's got the gumption. So this takes us into Act 3. Act 3. Act 3 is where he gets a bit of a plan. Yeah. So he notices there is a way to climb down. Yeah. Uh, and so he sees there's a way of climbing down and he can see across the way there's like a, a like one of these suspension bridges over a gully head. And he thinks, if I can grab that child and get across that bridge, I can then like cut it mm. and then we'll be safe from the marauders. And uh, you know, I think I see some forest over that side or yeah. something. You know, so there's, there's growth to so hide. He's got a bit of a bit of a plan yep. of action because it's important that Act Three, you've got to have that action plan mm. because in as the audience, you're getting picked up from yep. that rock bottom moment as well. That's right. And he rushes down there, grabs a girl, uh, child, and and runs to this bridge. But you see, it'd be too easy if he could just cross the bridge. Mm. And then cut it, and then he's home free. End of movie. Like yeah. it's, that's too easy. It's cheap. Yeah. And he's not learned anything. So instead, he'll get to the bridge, and at the bridge, all along is the adult whose tracks were with the child's, mm. and it goes, "Oh, looks like you've found my child," <laughs> and the child is suddenly frightened, and then two other bad guys, and you realize they're actually part of this other group that's chasing mm. there, but had uh, you know had been escorting this child and chased it ahead of time. So now we've got this reversal mm. where, it, you know, victory has been snatched away and here he is, he's, he's faced um, with this decision. You know, what can I do? How can I rescue this? And now in my head I'm, I'm not entirely sure how he's going to do that. But he's got he's to look back and go, you know, um, those wild people were really crazy ass and then the the – Nice people seem nice, but they turn out to be quite bad. And so he, in fact, goes, oh, hey, you know, actually, um, and he invokes the name of the, the leader, the, the great the great leader uh, has, uh, you know, really gotten onto something here. Um, let's, let's take this kid back and we'll both be heroes and you won't get in trouble for letting the kid escape in the first place. Mm. And it's at this point that they have a quick physical struggle and... Yeah, you know, the guy manages to um, 
lose his own arm, gets chopped off. Yeah. Because he has to make the decision, do I grab the child and hold on because she's about to fall down the cliff? Yeah. And he does, but he loses his hand. Nonetheless, he manages to get free and cross over the bridge. And so as the audience, you you see he's he's decided that he's going to be a bit selfless mm. about this. He learnt from the, the dog's sacrifice yeah. and also remembered his vow to, to always protect his own child. And I think that child should say something in, in, that, in that moment there of like, well, are you going to protect me? Like the same yeah, repetition the same, of the, that what repetition. the daughter would say. And and then, you know, so it's and like, we, yeah, okay. And then we have the closing image, and I like this closing image. I've just come to me. Similar sort of drone shot. It starts coming up uh, towards, you know, them, and then it comes in close. So you get a nice sort of intimate, and it comes down, and we get a, a close flyby, and there he is walking along, one-handed, of course, holding the child's hand mm. now walking side by side, whereas previously he's been followed by a dog in an empty landscape, holding the hand of the child with a close shot, and they start walking across some green grass. Yeah. There we go. And maybe their footprints would go from the sand but then disappear onto the green grass or something. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, there we go. See, <laughs> see and that, that leaves you go. He's, he's had his adventure. He's learned and grown something. Yeah. Uh, he's, he lost something, but he gained something. Mm. Uh, and we have, you know, so each point, has has driven this story forward mm. so that you get to the end and you're like, okay, yeah, we're we'll satisfied. We're gonna make that film. Yes. Well, someone else can make that film. We'll just watch it and then do an episode about it. It'll take some royalties, I think. <laughs> Obviously, <laughs> royalties. Write writing writing royalties, please. So, so oh. <laughs> jinx and jinx, jinx and jinx. You jinx. can't talk anymore now. Until someone says your name, that kind of thing. Uh, no, we'll get stuck into Radius and go through some of those beats, some of those key bits that we've just explained there, but but from Radius and also pick on some of the other film language and that. So I mentioned before the start of this film is really fast-paced. I think probably in that opening minute, you know, there's a bunch of flashes of a crash of a man getting out of the crash, or, uh, stumbling down the road, this dirt track, bleeding. Uh, a lot of that camera is, you know, very... Um, uh, oblique or you know on the angles or side oh, see, um upside down i think and really I, lo- quickly. I love the opening image of this which was it was quite quiet and then we just have like um it's a close-up of a closed eye yeah in that's the dark. right that's it yeah closed eye in the dark and then we suck it in some of the flash that yeah, he gets yeah. up uh, and because there's a, a closing image which is very similar to this of course but alternate and, and i love the imagery of Closed eye. Closed eye, yeah. Can't yeah. see. Darkness, closed eye, um, and, and this sort of nighttime crash. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a great quick sequence and it doesn't slow down from there as a pace of the editing because we, we kind of, you know, as he stumbles out and, and goes along this road, he's bleeding, we see a car and he signals him. You know, you might be like, oh, yeah, he's going to get some help and this car then indicates to pull over but then just slowly veers off the road and there's this young woman dead yes. in the driver's seat, you know, which, okay, well, maybe that's what happens. And he grabs a... Um, uh, he grabs her mobile and calls nine one one, and it's very distorted, like he's having, he's struggling to connect to them. And um, with that, a crow falls out of the sky. One of these birds that you yes. you see whacks the top of the, <laughs> the car, uh, and you know he's quite baffled by it all. And I mean, we know the premise, so we're kind of like, well, yeah, you're killing everything, dude. You know, but but it's interesting to see. How are they going to visually show I, us? I this, loved the you know? way it was so quickly into that. Yeah, there was no slow build up of no. it. It was just like, 
it, it's one of these films where it's just okay. Here's the premise. Deal with it. And yep. Let's move on. Yeah. Then then like, then let, then we'll know what happens. The, next, the movie really, wasn't know. about him discovering he's got this no, effect. No. It's just like no. The effect this is here. Is effect. It's established. The first two minutes, we've killed uh, a lady driving a car and a gentleman crow flapping past minding his own business. That's right. And then and then it, it ups the stakes because you're saying it's fast because then it ups the stakes because he kind of then want you know he's wandered down this road and come across a diner. And, you know, he opens the diner and it's just everyone is dead. Yeah, you know? they just and, drop dead. You know, he kind of is really, again, extremely baffled looking around at, well, what's going on? And at this moment in time he's thinking, oh, is it a viral or something in the air? So he yeah. kind of runs into the um, woods and puts a cloth around his face because it's, yeah. well, is it some sort of airborne virus and, and or something looks like up that? his own driver's licence address. Yeah. Yes, and yeah. then so it heads in that direction. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it's a great, uh, really, just intro. You know, first couple of minutes, and mm. there's so much happened. So does he save the cat? Like, so which part of that was because you've got to establish if he's going to be the hero, the protagonist that we're supposed to barrack for. Well, okay, yeah. When he comes out of the diner, he there's a car coming, and he actually waves like something's wrong yeah. and then the guy's dead. Yes. So he, he does kind of save it there. I think that then once I think he's also at his home. Im- his immediate call of 911 saying there's yeah, a, a the, he's not saying I've been in a car crash. No, no. He says there's a woman dead. There's a woman dead, yeah. yeah and he, as I said, I think he tries to warn that driver and then within a couple of, I think it's then about five minutes into the film, we have the farmer and he's trying to warn the farmer, you know, so... I think there, there's kind of three or four moments of saving the cat there, isn't it? You know, he, he yeah. kind of continuously tries to save the cat. Yeah, we, we can see that he's he's clearly concerned for other people mm. and not so much for himself. Yeah. Um, he, at his house, he kind of seals everything up. He, with cloth, he uses gaffer tape. Um, and we have this great thing of the farmer. And there's, there's a newsreel now happening where... And we sort of only hear a bit of it. Like I think he watches it and it's talking about the diner and the police are a bit, you know, they don't know what's really happened. They think it's maybe terrorist attack. Um, and so, yeah, we do have him see the farmer. So across the road there's a um, harvester. Yeah, tractory probably. thing. Yeah. and uh, If you you're know, from Manitoba, <laughs> you probably know exactly what yeah. it is. We're not farmers where we are, even though we're not far from farming in Mandra, but um, I'm not a farmer, so I don't really know. But it looks like a harvester or a tractor of some type. Anyway, this farmer's there and he, he kind of signals to him and, of course, the farmer comes towards him. Yeah, what's and, going on? Um, yeah, which is fine at that point, but we know as the audience... Yeah. And he's he writes a note saying, you know, danger, get out, go home, go home, or whatever. And the farmer kind of stops and says, and he's and he's fine. And then he takes like another step, and he's dead. Just just drops in his yeah. tracks right there. And I think that is really like the uh, uh, inciting incident in a way. It's leading to it, isn't it? Because there's a bit of a connection there that. Yeah, this they're getting is... close to him. It's it, the that's the filmmaker saying the radius. So it's not the inciting incident, um, but then he goes outside and he he tests that idea, doesn't he? Because he sees the crow. Yeah, he sees crow in the garbage bin. He thinks back to probably the crow falling out of the sky or whatever, and he so he starts walking slowly towards the crow, 
And um, it's it, a great sort of tension building scene because he's like, you know, how close do I get will to this crow? Won't will it or won't? And of course, he gets close enough, and it does. It carks it, and he, he drops. He drops it, marks it with his handkerchief. Yep, because he's he's gone. This can't be a disease. That's not no. a virus. Like no. viruses don't do that. No, he drops his handkerchief there, and that's where he sort of goes to measure it out, mm. and he measures the distance to, like the the. Well, he, I don't think he actually measures the distance to the dead farmer, but he does. No, he doesn't. He walks over and looks at and looks back, and you can see he's going mental. It's about the same. Thoughts. And yeah. interesting, there's a, there's a few interesting details here. He's a landscaper. Yeah. He has a landscaping business, and he lives on his own. Mm. So that's sort of at first okay. That's, mm. it's, it's a bit odd that he's in this nice modern home and all the rest of it, and he's, he's a good-looking bloke by himself. Mm. And there's no indication that, He'd had a breakup or anything. No, no. And so, he has a landscaping business. Yeah. And it all makes sense later on. Like at the yeah. end, very end, you see, oh, okay, well, yes, having a landscaping business where you're getting about with a truck and tools yeah. all the time. And yeah. I suppose that helps. But um, I was, I was going to bring up a couple of the themes that they sort of show in this, which is quite good. So they do have him walking. And we talked about a drone shot in that uh, earlier sort of mm. fake film. In this one, he walks away from the dead woman. Mm. And we do have that drone shot that shows him up all by himself at a crossroads. Yeah. And this is the, the yeah, classic yeah. dirt crossroads where the devil comes to sign yeah, his deals. Right. Yeah. And, and I, I sort of thought, and went, oh, that's interesting. I wonder if they're going with that. Yeah. And there's a couple other spots in the film where they do have a crossroads mm. uh, uh, and crossing railroad tracks. Yes. As, and bridge. The as bridge as, as well. uh, areas of moving over and, mm. you know, um, symbols of this sort of. Um, choices and changes in life, which yeah. which was quite good. Hey, the inciting incident here, I think, yeah, it's sort of is it that point where he goes, oh, there's a bit of a radius. Yeah, there's a um, coincidence. There's a no, it's not a coincidence. Like yeah. when I get close to things, they die. And and I think I think the bit where it really changed gears and went because you're still sort of going, okay, so what's how's this going to progress? Yeah, is when Jane turns up. Yeah. Uh, but so but Jane, that is, that's a bit later. I don't think that's the inciting incident, but sorry. Because I think the inciting incident is him realising. Oh. Because after that, then it's like the cops come around and yeah, it's, I he's think, like, yeah. oh, God. So he like runs to the shed and he stays back. And, and then all those pigeons and drop dead. And all those dead pigeons drop dead, you know, just at the last minute. And, and so, so again, asking your question, save the cat. Like once he, the inciting incident to me is that crow scene. Yes. Because it's like him going, oh, crap, anything that gets 15, 20 metres, whatever it is to me, mm. dies. So okay. then what am I going to do about that? So then his answer to that is go to the shed because it's the furthest from the road. Yeah. Remember? And, and um, it's far enough away from the house. Yeah. So so the, so the that's kind of like if people come to the house, I'm okay. But, of course, his cop starts coming and the yeah. dead birds fall out. I'll just sky, investigate this shed over here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, the birds um, all died and the cop went... Ah, let's get the hell out of here. Yeah, and um, so they did, the cops go. And then to me it's like when Jane rocks up, it's that great example of the B story because she is kind of the B story. Their relationship is the B story Yeah, um, because their relationship is actually something different than what you kind of think. So Mm. it's a really cool way of, you know, in films, oh, yeah, hot guy, good-looking girl, well, they're going to get it on. And they even say, do you notice they said the line, um, I don't because they you know they start talking about they have no memories yeah. they don't know each other but they go she go he says but I feel like I do know you 
Yes. Or I feel comfortable around you. So it's like that's very typical. We talk about writing romance. It's like in a Hollywood film, these two random people were going to get it on. But it's also <laughs> a little bit, you know. Like, but it, but it was because. But then we learn what their relationship is. And if it wasn't a death radius, it could almost be the start of a rom com because his house is devoid. Of, of femininity, yeah, yeah, like there's and there's only a photo, like it's it's a bit stark. Is it just a photo of a kid? Yeah, and she says, "Oh, is that you?" Mm. And he's like, "I don't know." Yeah, and and I, and I think that's a really why would you have just a photo of yourself <laughs> by yourself in front of this house? Yeah, it's uh, it's weird, but it, but then again, when you start looking at what the ending is, mm. it's like, a, okay, it probably is him by himself mm. showing that he had a lonely childhood, like he, yeah. he did not. That's not a that's not a happy childhood. No, where it's no. just kind of look this a slightly bewildered looking child by himself in front of a house is like, okay, that's a bit weird. So she rocks up, and of course he wants her to stay away. And there's that great moment. He's in the shed, and he's like, "Stay away!" And she's like, "But I just want to talk to you." And she, you can hear her getting closer. And he's, yeah. But then she does get closer. Knocks she, on the door. She knocks on the door. So it's like, oh, maybe this weird radius thing is not over. You know, like, or maybe it's over. Yeah, it's fine. And the, and the little dog. That's right. And then the dog comes in to really justify, no, no, you're okay. Yeah. Everything's okay. It's actually, not just Jane. It's... I want to know if that's actually Caroline or Steve's dog. Yeah, it probably is. It's a cute little dog. It was a cute dog. So she's got amnesia. As you just said, she looks around the house and he's like, well, there doesn't seem to be any women stuff here. I don't think we were together. But that, that's what I mean. They, they say that kind of cliche of, oh, but it feels right to be together. You know, yeah, and yeah. That, that's a good typical Hollywood. And, and so I, point. I thought this was definitely in Act Two here, where we're, yeah. we're exploring this premise of the amnesia and this relationship, and what does that mean for the death radius? So yeah, they what, what's the they have a flat. This is sort of the first flash, isn't it? So yeah. they have a flash of the bridge. Is it the sign at the bridge, or is it picking the? Yeah, picking them up, picking her up at the bridge. That's right. So he, he, has, he a, has a little memory of it. That's right. They're in the kitchen. He has a little memory of the sign at the bridge, and so they go. They head to the bridge. He's like, "Let's yeah. go to the bridge." And I, and I love that here. This is this is one of those areas I was looking at um, fr- framing yeah. of characters. So it was distinctly a shot of the uh, Jane talking mm. inside the car. Yeah, you got the A pillar of the car, that front yeah. bit. And so she's a little bit blurred behind the window, April, and then very clear outside. Yeah. And there's nothing going on there, mm. but the, it's moving past very quickly. Yeah. And then they have him talk, and instead of, because you could easily have had a shot of the two of them mm. talking, it's the other side. Yeah. Him blurred by the window, April, and then the road and cars driving past, yeah. like establishing, yep, definitely, you know, things are moving on. Yeah, yeah. These two, they're in the car together, but they're not. Together, like yeah. there's, there's still a separation because we're not seeing them. They could well have filmed it separately. Yeah, as far as, as far as I know, they 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 just they were each individually in the car by themselves. I I also found that shot you're just talking about. It was a really clever way of showing that they're together. And the rules of this movie, we'd set up if he's on his own, everything dies around him. Mm. But together, we know they don't die. But in that car scene, yeah. we see the cars come by. And yeah. so my filmmaker brain straight away went, oh, is one of those cars going to veer off and crash? Yeah, I was but looking, they didn't, right? They, the they all went shot. by. Like yeah. th- I think three cars went by and I'm like, ah, so the rule now is if they're together, nothing is probably dying. So mm. it was a very clear way of sort of showing us that And again, point. it's almost a 
romantic setup, isn't yeah, it? it is. It's like yeah. together they, they're safe, safe or they're happy yeah. or whatever. That's right. And so they do get to the bridge. I mean, she's talking about not knowing anything. Uh, and she also says that, well, she went to hospital, but they couldn't show anything out of the ordinary. She, yeah. t- she tells her story about going to the mall and Santa. Yeah, and that's right. pulled the beard off Santa and she, like, freaked out. Yes. And then with that, she sees that on the bridge she had a bit of paper. A bit of paper, yeah. But so. it can't see what the paper is. And, and so I'm wondering with this, what was the point of the Santa little story? Because that, that was a definite little story there that she remembered and I think maybe it's a foreshadowing of, like, Santa is hear me. I was like, oh, revealing, like seeing that. Oh, here, here's this guy. He's he's helping me out. We're Seems friends. to be a nice guy. Tug the beard down, and he's actually a it's, monster. It's not a nice guy under <laughs> yeah. there. Well, I don't know. Maybe the Santa guy was a nice guy, but it wasn't Santa. Well, for a child, it was scary. Yeah, yeah it was not Santa. It, it wasn't Santa. Yeah. No. Yeah. So well, they go back to the crash site because they've got no other leads to go mm. on, and this is where we see the big blackened yeah, circle, this is big charred and circle. This was nice too because it was. Well, see, it wasn't charred. This like it was no. just black. Yeah, everything in there was just black. There's still leaves. There's still yep. bits and pieces, and it wasn't all crunchy. And it was just. And I think that was important because it's like if it was looked like a burnt out sign, mm. yeah, you could kind of it feels more normal. But this was not something it's very eerie. Yeah, something different and weird yeah. happened here. This is and this it was like a weird. perfect circle. Perfect, perfect so, circle. You know, probably playing off the idea of crop circles, maybe. Mm. You know, like that—that that was kind of the connotation there, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, and and also, what does a circle represent? Like, you know, like a, you know, it comes around, it goes yeah. around, it, like a completion. It's a completion thing a cycle, again. Yeah. yeah. So very. Does he reveal that this is that he kills that things are dying around him? Well, here? yeah. This is so. He is standing at one side and says, "You know, where were you?" Yeah, and that's she right. is on they the sort of other side, and he's like. You know, we're on either side of this circle, mm. uh, and it was at that point that she, yeah, he reveals, oh, yeah, stuff dies around me, yeah, and she freaks out and says, oh my god, are you going to kill me? And That's starts, right, yeah. and they have a bit of an argument up to the road, and she yep. starts storming off as a policewoman pulls up, yes, and says, you know, is there something going on? And they're like, no, 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 it's all right. We're just like, please, sir, come away. Yeah. And, and Jane goes, she's storming down the road and, and storms off, <laughs> pissy, <laughs> and then the. Um, and then the cop dies. Yeah. Just drops, stops. Yeah. And Jane, of course, goes, oh, holy crap. You're telling the truth. Yeah, this is this is real. Uh, and they, that's where they go. And, and we get that heartbreaking moment with the <laughs> mobile phone. It's like it said mum on it. And you mommy. hear, you yeah, hear mommy. mum, mummy, what's can up? I, what can I play with on? the Xbox, mummy? Yeah. I'm going to take mommy. silence as a yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. No, it was much creepier than no, that. No, it, it, oh, yeah, it broke my heart to hear mommy, that. Mummy, you're going to bring home ice cream for little Benny? <laughs> I mean, they just had to add that in there just to yeah. really... Again, it was one of those tightening screws. It was just yeah. like, this is serious. This yeah, is yeah. not just fun and games. This and may- is- maybe that's why, because you could sort of take it a little bit more comically maybe, you know, mm. like, or a little bit more, well, how serious is it? But no, by yeah, oh, identifying yeah, just- that people are people with families, you know, yeah. it um, makes it more real, doesn't it? So, yeah. So... And the, and so this is where he kills Does, the goat. Kills the kill goat to demonstrate how far to prove it. So if she walks to, he walks up to. Her, they're sort of arguing about it, aren't they? And then he he's saying she's saying we should no. He's saying we should go to a doctor. I think, and she's saying, well, no, I went to the doctor. Sort of, and so he demonstrates 
with this, there's a goat in the farm property and they kind of walk there. Again, in that shot, there's a bridge, isn't there, mm. in the background? So there's lots of bridges, like you were saying, there's lots of crosses in all the roads. They're kind of, uh, you know, intersections or crossovers, aren't they? Yeah, they're doing a lot of that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, so lots of motives in that way. So Liam proves to Jane that any living creature who approaches him dies unless Jane is within, I think they're saying, 50 feet or 15 metres or something. So Yeah. yeah. They, they never say it in the film, they, but they it, never it's mentioned exactly in like the, the blurbs for the yeah. movie. I guess it's yeah. Yeah, it's a way of defining it. It looks about right. Yeah. Yeah, about 15 um, metres. They decide they're going to go to this hospital. Yep. And Liam does get a bit of a, a flash again of like, Writing in a book and drinking like in a cabin or something yeah. somewhere. Yeah. And yeah, that's sort of just a little flash we get. We mm. don't see any more of that. And they, they go to this hospital like out of town. Yeah. Uh, and they, they go up and there's a bit of a tense moment where he's got to go in the CT scanner. Yep. And, you know, Jane is told that she's got to leave. Mm-hmm. Uh, convinces the tech to let her be in the booth yep. to watch. And it was kind of a good moment, wasn't it? Because he goes into the machine. You're like, how far is that machine? Is the yeah. te- like there was a real deliberate, you know, this is what's great, isn't it? Fun and games because it's it's once you've set up a, a set up properly, mm. a scenario like that, like is he going to be close? And that tech was just sitting there and it was mm. really quiet for a moment. You're like, oh, is she dead? Yeah. Or is she about to die? You know. <laughs> So it, you can kind of keep twisting the screws, can't you, of the what if? Yeah, and this, yeah. and we're coming pretty close to the midpoint here. Not quite, but not quite. Yeah, I, I think they we then have this. They do that chase scene. Yeah. So which, it's actually, the doctor does tell him it, that he's okay. Yeah, the scan showed nothing. Yeah, scan yeah. showed nothing. Yeah, and then we, we get the missing persons posters. And the separation and this amazing chase in the lift. Yeah. And so which, Jane sees the missing person and flashes back to the bridge and that's what she was dropping off the bridge. Yeah, and it sort of was, looked like a picture of her was yeah, missing. And so you're thinking... Oh, is she a missing woman? Yeah, was she yeah. a missing person and... He, How did he know her? Found her or yeah, something? Yeah. Like it, was, it was unclear there. And, yeah. Um, it, I couldn't even quite see what the name was no. that was on there, but it was definitely not Jane or Rose as no. it turns out. And then we have this great chase scene where the police rock up the hospital looking for them and mm. kind of discover they're there, so they chase them and they get to this elevator where she's separated. Sorry, kind of detailed this earlier. There's people. He screams at them, but the door's shut. She runs down a level. He's already going down another level. You know, he looks out the elevator. She runs down another level. You know, he's not there or the doors are shutting. And so it's really building this. You're like, oh, God, is half this hospital going to be dead at the end of this? And they kind of miraculously at the bottom floor meet back up. And I suppose she'd run down the floors and kept with him enough that it didn't affect anyone, you know. Not what we saw. Not that we saw, yeah. And um, Poor old grandpa, he didn't make it. (laughs) But it's unclear Um, as to whether he caused that or not. Yeah. Uh, and they sort of escape the cops that way just and get out the, the doors. It reminded me a bit of like, I think is it Terminator 2, how she runs through the hospital to escape Linda Hamilton yes. and, um, you know, the the guards and the cops and it's just a real kind of... And the, the two Terminators are moving yeah, in on it. Yeah, yeah they're, they're, you've got like different pressure points happening at all in once, you yes. know, but they just get out kind of by the skin of their teeth. So the filmmakers did really well um, to do that. Uh, and it didn't appear anyone would die. Um, 
I feel that then, sorry, the midpoint is this next bit where it's revealed that Jane has a husband. Yes, her name is Rose. Rose her name Deerwood. is actually Rose. And so they're really baffled because they've got no memory. She's got no memory yeah. of a husband. And she, she, I like she even says, well, what if this guy is not real? You know, like what if this guy is made Who up? I'm or trying something? to get away like, from. Yeah, like what if I was trying to run away from him, you know? And I liked that. So it was a very, you know, again, clever way of the writers not just, oh, safety's over here, your husband's over here. It's like... But hang on, I might be a missing person. Was I like running away from my husband, you know? Yeah, and, and um, I had those same thoughts because you, you're still sitting there trying to piece this together. It's mm. like, because initially you're thinking, oh, they, they, maybe they're friends or they're together. And then you find she's got a husband. You go, oh, yeah. that's a spanner on the works. Like, well, I thought they were about to get it on. Come they, on. Where's this, they, where's this twerking scene? <laughs> yeah, were they cheating? In which yeah. case, it's suddenly that relationship, you go, oh, is that? Yeah. Uh, yeah. That suddenly these heroes, are they heroes or are they... Do they kind of get their just yeah. desserts by having a car crash? Yes, that's right. Um, but instead, you sort of, you know, she raises this point. Well, what happens if, yeah, he he was trying to the, the one that she was escaping from? And then you, you kind of go, oh, yeah, it could be that. Yeah. So they go find her husband called Sam and um, try and try to convince him, and he doesn't really believe it. And again, he demonstrates. <laughs> Under a bridge again, you know, keep showing bridges. Bridge, br- you know, bridges bringing worlds together, yeah, um, symbolically. And it's pigeons, and yes. these pi- these poor little pigeons fall out of the sky again, or whatever. Um, so Sam agrees to kind of look after him. It's good this bit because we don't fault the filmmakers don't follow Sam, and he has to take their car away, and he has to go get them supplies. And what I like about that is, as an audience, you have no idea if he's on their team or not. No. Because he's very suspicious of this random guy rocking up. Um, He also reveals that they had a lot of arguments and they weren't on the best terms. And and she finds the photocopy of the Lily Wanted, the missing poster. Missing poster, which is of her sister. Yeah, and turns out like, yeah, I mean, and that's the thing because you're looking at it going, Lily, missing. Uh, And that's that's where you're still going, is this guy a creep? Like how come come he's got this missing poster with her on it? Yeah, yeah. And he says, no, no, it's your twin sister. Mm. And you still kind of go, that's kind of convenient. Or is it she really is Lily? Yeah, is she But has been living as Rose? Yeah. (laughs) And she's not sure if she should turn herself in or not. And that's where this is. And then, yeah, you see the picture of the the, the twins together and you go, Mm. okay, fine. Yeah. And I just wonder if that was they just Photoshop shot that. I think they might have. (laughs) or, or, Or like, you know, actually... This uh, what her name Charlotte, Charlotte has a twin sister that we don't know about. Mm. I think I think it's just Photoshop. I think it's just a good old Photoshop. Pretty easy to do these days. Uh, yeah, so they they do have that moment. Then also where we discover it's like Sam's been writing this bit um, notepad. Yeah, and she finds it, and it's like uh, all stuff that she likes and doesn't like, and how they met, and yeah. like you know, sort of memories to try and yeah. jog her memory. So you're going, oh, okay, Sam's. Sam seems to be on the up and up. Like, yeah, yeah. she was depressed. They're having arguments and she'd go away. And you kind of go, okay, that that seems to, to check out a bit. And they're going to, um, I think, is it Liam remembers he, you know, that sitting there alone drinking in a cabin and he has like a memory like that, doesn't he, that he yeah, has this cabin. He has a cabin. And, and he's the, on a boat. Yeah, on he's the on E1 a, road and he's on a boat. Yeah. He's on, like. That sounds ideal for us yep. to escape to. Let's go there. And uh, because we do see the authorities in the background are kind of really on the hunt for these two. Yeah. Um, 
So Sam's not impressed with that plan and he goes and gets the cops. And to me, this moves into that. It's a perfect all is lost moment where yeah. someone or something dies and this film being all about death, well, <laughs> they're going to have this huge elaborate scene that, you know, it takes a few moments to unravel as in Sam rocks up, the cops are there, it's clear they can't escape and there's actually numerous cop cars, numerous people on the street. Um, oh, see, and- what got me was initially it's just like the three or four cops in the shop itself yeah, yeah. and they take her out the back and then they start taking me out and you're going, oh, no, like, yeah, you these, these, these couple of cops are going to die. Yeah, yeah. But then they go out in the street and, and yeah, there's, there's a whole bunch of another cop other car. cop cars. And-, and then you look around, there's people gawking with phones yeah, and filming. there's media, isn't there, journalists or something. heaps of people there. Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's when, yeah, the, the horror yeah. realisation <laughs> comes in and you think, no, this is, she's going to, Escaping, run yeah. up just in time. No, no, they no. all died. The horror of it was that just this oh, probably would have been 20, 20 people or, or so. People, people yeah. just, just all just dropped dead, which is, mm. and, and I, I love it when filmmakers go that, go there, go that you know, far, like, yeah, because a number of times, and this was particularly during the 80s and 90s, you'd get a TV show or a film where they, yeah. they put this premise but, that, oh, the world could end or there could be a massive invasion, and then, like, you'd never see it. No. It would always be stopped. It always ends right before it. And, yeah. and, you're like, and, and you never or actually get there, you know. The perfect like, example is, like, the sort of the terrorist or the bomb, you know, I'm going to blow this bomb up if you don't give me this. And then, of course, they don't give them that, but they don't blow it up either. Yeah, it's, it's they, something. At the last ninth hour, they're like, I'll give you one more hour. Yeah, something <laughs> ridiculous like, oh, happens. On. And you're like, blow up the building. So I do love it when yeah. the filmmaker goes, oh, you know, like there's all these people here. Ooh, yeah. this would be bad, <laughs> wouldn't it? Yeah. yeah, they're all dead. They're all dead, yeah. yeah how, about, how about that? There's it's, no turning back from it, that. It reminds me of that, that TV show, The 100. The, yeah. There's a couple scenes like that where they're going to evacuate 300 people to make enough resources on the mm. space station to live and they're racing down there to try and stop it and you're yeah. thinking... Oh no, they'll they'll, 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 get there. they'll get there. No, they no. just kill all these people, <laughs> and you're like, yeah. and you go for no reason. Yeah, there was just for no reason. Yeah, it's just they went there, and it's good because it makes it awkward. And it's a great tracking shot what they do there because the cop, the cop comes out of the um uh, the shop with Liam, and they're pulling. You know, we're cut to pulling. Um, Rose out the back and so as an audience we know at some point and Liam, we see Liam straining and screaming and telling, no, put us back and the camera I'm pretty sure by memory was then focusing on the cop coming sort of, you know, he's a couple of metres behind the action Mm. and with that his eyes just go over and boom because he's just hit that borderline and the the camera twirls around to reveal all these people around Liam have just bammed on the floor at once. And I think then the other cop yeah, inside the cop is like, what, what's going on? Like, what's this commotion? Runs and over towards him. And, of course, Liam's like, don't come. And boom, he's just, you know, dead. Yeah, I know. And it was a real great kind of reveal of it all. I, I liked and how the it, camera did that. It pulls the rug out completely. It's just yeah. like, okay, they were going to go up to this cabin and somehow work it out, whatever that yeah. means. But now they have to. But now it's like, okay, this is just really the shit's hit the fan. Yeah. It's dangerous and it's, to be around so many people. Yeah, this, this yeah. is really bad. Yeah. And, and here, this is... Um, where they, they do get together and they rush off. Sam is like, I think Sam's realised he's just murdered all these people. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, good intentions and all that, but, hey, you know, they did tell you that everyone would die and, in fact, everyone did die. Yeah, so, you know, they take off and Sam's going to be the bridge and try to speak to 
some scientists, I think, and try to tell their story. Um, they take off whilst they're heading up to the cabin. They are getting some supplies. Two things happen here. One, they, they see the TV says there was some sort of cosmic event. Yes. Um, and, and it's just a big lightning bolt basically out of the sky. And they, they're like, oh, that hit really where we had the accident. Um, so that kind of answers that that is that wrath of God or rider's yeah. hand or whatever that some that might have caused it, something from outer space. And then the second thing is they're, they're basically followed yeah. by uh, hunters. You know, you can, yeah. you're like, oh, yeah, these are going to be bad guys. Because this is the thing is we're coming into towards Act 3 here yeah. where they've gone, they've, they've got a bit of a plan going. Yeah. They're going to head off. But we haven't, I don't think we've quite got there because we've got no. to have that death first, which yeah. is where they, they get there to the cabin mm. and they're talking about, you know, well, what, what does the future look like? Yeah. yeah. How does this end? Yeah. And... Um, this is where Liam is introducing the concept that, well, you know, he should probably have to die. Yeah. And this is that death of, there's death of hope. It's like yeah. there, there is no cure for this. It was some cosmic event. Mm. And that's where he, he wanders off out to the yeah. the boat to, to get away and think, I guess. But, but Yeah, but I think this, the, the moving into Act 3 is that scene, sorry, because it's kind of him saying... You know, is the plan I die or and she's sort of like, well, we'll stay up here in the cabin. Now, I think in a Hollywood film, this is where they probably would have sex. Yeah. <laughs> or, you know, you there would be implications that they've because they kind of have a drink and they, you know, he's like, I probably have to die. And she's yeah. like, well, you, you don't have to die as long as we stay together, you yeah. know. And maybe maybe this is where we live now. We live in the middle of nowhere and we won't affect anyone. And, well, see, I, you know, I, I think the. The act three is when he goes out the back and she finds the book of missing people, and that's that's where everything changes trajectory. Yeah, and he, and she has the gun, so then she goes, "Oh, okay." The plan then is she's got the rifle that was in there and confronts him and says, "You're going to get my sister out of that lake." Mm. Uh, and it was, it's a great a great couple of emotional moments in those, beats uh, there, especially where there, like, where Liam looks and he says, "Is it he, true? Is it true?" And you can see. He, can, he he knows. He just, he just doesn't yeah. say anything. He just like the memory he, is obviously yep. we don't. It, they don't show us his memory, but he's he's acting there is really strong that he acknowledges he knows what yeah. he's done. And um, when he was on the boat, he kind of you know he's he's kind of just off with the fairies, but then he's like looking into the water, and as there's he, some he, sort he of he throws that little islet, yeah, and it's like in the water and it splashes, and he yeah. goes, oh, yeah, there's a ripple, yeah, yes. and that's that ripple effect, isn't it? Um, and likewise, just before that, when she was, she finds that book and, you know, like, what's this book going to be about? And she opens it and it's all the missing women. Yes. And he's written stories. And of course she turns the page, turn the page and it's her sister. Yeah. And then he turns the page and it's her. Her name. Yes. Yeah. Is the next one. So it was planned all along. Um, and yeah, so, so it's kind of, you know, so she confronts him with a gun. She wants him to get the sister. He kind of half walks into the water and it's obviously like, well, I can't, you know, she's yeah. gone. You know, we're not going to get her back. Whatever and we, that and we have the reversal here, I think, which is when the rednecks turn up. Yeah. Yahoo, we got ourselves a terrorist. <laughs> oh, no, <it's>, <laughs> Just beat him up, punch him in the face. Yeah, come on, you Kick pussy. him in the balls, you know. He keeps telling his son is yeah. a, like, yeah, you're trying to make a new serial killer, aren't you? You know, like, that's how you do it. You want to know <laughs> yeah. how to turn someone into a serial killer? You treat him like that. That's what yeah. you do. Yeah. So... They have a confrontation scene, and um, he tries. To, Liam tries to get away far enough to 
basically, so they are they just dropped it. Yeah, I know that's um, sad too, though. Yeah, and um, at the same time, uh, Rose runs and one of them shoots her, so she gets shot. Mm. Um, so they're kind of dead by dissociation. The the rednecks. And she's shot, so he grabs her and, you know, struggles with her, chucks her in the car, fangs it to the hospital and, you know, he's trying to support her as much as he can. They get him on the gurzy and uh, as she's being rolled away... I know, I was looking at that going, what, you can't... He's what's... just standing still and it's like, well, he, he won't be able to go into surgery with her, will he? Yeah, what's going on here? Yeah, so, and then with that he shoots himself. He pulls a gun and shoots himself. Yeah. And the closing image... Was again like him. His eye, but his eye is open this eyes time. Eyes open this time, yeah. Yes, and mm. and it's light outside, like it it's is. light in the hospital. So, and that's it. Was at that point there where I felt I'd watched a good movie. Yeah, like so I, there were parts now. I was sort of thinking oh, this probably could have been a short film, mm. or I was sort of going, ah, oh, that dialogue didn't land quite so well. Is it like a lot of the direction of the camera work is really good? Yeah, like the framing and and this use of these crossroads and bridges and water and things. I, I was kind of enjoying that. Yeah, but. Overall, I was getting towards the end going, um, it's just kind of, and then he goes, bang, falls down, <laughs> closing image. I went, ah, oh, yes, yeah, nice. I do love a redemption story. I do too. And, I mean, it's really great bookends. And I think the thing is, you know, like hope and also meaning of, you know, the fact that he was, if you take then the story as a whole at the end, you're like, oh, he was a serial killer. He was a really bad guy. He gets zapped, doesn't remember his past. Becomes a good guy, really. Yeah. Try, but he's got this awful condition where everything dies around him. Probably the dream of the serial killer. Yeah, well, it was. <laughs> yeah, I, it was I what think, he was almost trying to do. Wasn't I think it, it was like everything. the yeah, it was the realization, the visualization of his prior life. Yeah, yeah, you know, his prior life was that there was a radius of death around him. Yeah, and you know wherever he went, people died. Yeah, uh, but then this sort of was like, okay, well, forget about everything that happened. Now we're going to show you what it is that you do, what your life is. Your life is everyone who comes with it close to you dies. And the only stopping of that is your latest victim. Like when mm. you're stalking your latest victim, no one's dying. That's right. And then, yeah, when he's confronted, he's kind of like clean slate. He's yep. confronted with this. He goes, well, I don't want to do that. No. That's, that's not cool. No. Which is nice. It's nice to think that. And that's why I think it does end with that hope where yeah. all up until then it's kind of, yeah, experiment, I suppose, mm. whatever. But then somehow killing himself is a hopeful act because yeah, it's yeah. like, oh, he, he learned his lesson. And this is where we say, you know, the, the hero has to find that lesson in his journey yeah. to overcome the final barrier. And this but was it. He could have been a, ba- a total super badass villain with that power. Holy crap, yeah. A serial killer. I'm a serial killer. Well, guess what? Anyone that comes within Vid's Vin- Vin- going to die, walk into a huge city, just start killing millions of people, right? Like, um, But he didn't. He wanted to save people yes. with that fresh slate, you know. So I see hope in there quite a bit. And the fact that then he does the ultimate sacrifice to save Rose and everyone at the end. Yes. So that brings us to the end of those key plot points. What did you think? Did we miss any bits? Uh, is there anything you would add or is there a moment in there that you thought stood out um, and maybe something that we didn't touch on? Let us know. Let's circle into then Act 3 of the podcast and just summarise up a couple of our key points of the film and do a bit of a dive into the science with Surrey and what do we think about it. Um, so to kind of wrap up, we always like to say, well, hey, you 
should watch this film maybe with a couple of others. You've watched this now. What can remind you of some other sci-fi that we looked, we've looked at? So for me, sorry, yes. I think a little good trilogy here would be I Am Mother, The Platform, and then Radius. So I kind of think that as my trilogy would be quite a good yeah. one. They're all a bit mind-bending. They've all got interesting twists in them. Yeah. And they're all, even though, you know, and probably I Am Mother is maybe not the um, not the darkest, it still is quite dark once you realise. Mm, when the, you really think about the whole ending. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> actually think about the experiment that is the robot and his mother, um, it is actually quite dark, you know. Yes. And, I, and and then a good old platform is creepy and dark and all that. And I think this film, when you really think about it, yeah, it's quite horrifying. So and, and I think the platform I think these three is another one of, those, cool. one of those ones that I watched and it finished and the closing credits and, and I had just like a feeling. I, I could feel something. I was like... I like that film. Yeah, I do. Like, yeah, yeah. you know, there's there's there's, bits of, there's some films that you watch, uh, you know, like Die Hard. Mm. There's these great action sequences, some tough guy mm. moments and stuff, and you get to the end, you go, yeah, that was a real ride. But some of these films, and I think uh, this film, Radius, is one of them where you, you're watching the film through and there's, yeah, there's, there's little bits in there that you go, oh, that's pretty cool, that's interesting, that's nice. But it's when it ends and you sort of go... Oh yeah, the ending Ooh, is what actually, sort of smacks you in the face, doesn't I it? I really like that film. Mm. Yeah, so and that was that was it for me. And so my my triple play here it was um, Awake. Yeah, because again, that likewise was a film that it was going along, and there were, there were points where I was going, I'm, "Where is this going? Is this going post-apocalyptic? Like, yeah. is this going? I'm not entirely sure where it's going." And it finishes with kind of a an ending that makes you go, "Ah, okay." It's satisfying they did that, but there's still all of this stuff going. Mm, that's a really thought-provoking. Mm. What the what's the world going to be like after this? This is you could almost from awake you'd have a TV series out yeah, of that, yeah, couldn't you? Could, you? Couldn't you? Because yeah. you're going to have people uh, who you know how did they die and get resuscitated, and then there's going to be groups of people who stay somehow have stayed awake and they've like got totally mad or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, very interesting. And then uh, old. Mm. Old is another one that you're watching through, and there's bits and a twist yeah, and turn, and identities of people mm. are, are revealed. You yep, know, like yep, the yep. surgeon who's shown as being sort of relatively stable and sane, intelligent guy. It's revealed actually, no, he's sort of racist and he's losing his marbles. Yeah, and you know, it, the the woman I loved the one who says, and you know, make sure my smoothie has the calcium boost in it. Yeah. I've got a calcium deficiency, and you say like. I bet you do. Yeah. You know, like, you know, she's like, you're just some precious, you know, spoiled brat. Turns yeah. out, no, actually, she does have a real, <laughs> a real problem. Yeah. Yeah. So, as, yeah, those three films there Awake, Old, and um, the Radius. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. They sort of have similar feelings. Like, if you watch those three, uh, like yeah. Friday, Saturday, Sunday night, yeah, you, you'd be finished up going, Hmm. Yeah, like, like, Delicious. You'd be, you'd, you'd be feeling the whole time. It'd be, it'd be great. You'd have some strong emotions there, definitely for sure. So anyway, out of all the films we've kind of delved into on Space Brains, um, there are suggestions, but maybe you've got your own and, and maybe even some other sci-fi that we haven't yet talked about on Space Brains. So let us know what your ladder is looking like and maybe what you would think would or what you would recommend to watch uh, as a palate cleanser, that could be the thing for Radius. Gora. Maybe you need to go the other way and, and watch <laughs> something that's much happier or not so death-defying. So, But this definitely is a film that I, I agree with, sorry, that you get 
you know, the ending is kind of what makes it all so satisfying. So, um, you know, a punch in the face start and an ending that is really satisfying when you go on that entire journey and realize what that deeper meaning is. Um, so yeah, I really did thoroughly enjoy radius. So what kind of science do you want to pick on Surrey here? Because as we said, it's, I mean, this, the writers don't really give us much in terms of the actual why it happened. Well, no. and, and even, you know, humans don't tend to walk around but with the ability. It's a bit magical to be able to just kill anything that's 15 metres around you. Oh, well, there, um, there was an interesting case, though, where some guys stole some radioactive waste in, the, right, hope, okay. in the hope of selling it to terrorists or yes. using it. But, you see, uh, they didn't have any shielding. They figured that the waste <laughs> itself was shielded and it was a little bit... Uh, they recovered the stolen waste because the thieves were all dead. <laughs> they like, yeah, they, there was like a trail of dead bodies, and then the, like a couple of them sort of end up abandoning the truck and yeah. running, and they had burns and the teeth yeah. were falling out. It was just like sort of similar, but no, I'm not going to go. So, so you could <laughs> maybe sort of think maybe some sort of radiation, but then what, how would the woman not get it? You know? Yeah. yeah. No, I'm more interested in the case of. This uh, Liam character, who was a serial killer, mm-hmm. he's like he's, he's killed numerous women, mm. like uh, missing people. Yeah, I think they're all women. Yeah, it's common for serial killers to do that. Yeah, uh, but then at the, you know he's he sort of becomes a good guy basically mm. through having his brain wiped. Okay, and being exposed to I this see where you're going, horror. I think. So the question is, is there any scientific evidence to indicate that psychopaths like a serial killer, if they had their past cleansed and they were sort of given certain experiences, would they in fact not be a serial killer? In fact, mm-hmm. dislike the concept of being a serial killer. Uh-huh. Uh, and there is, there's, we have uh, an actual case study. Mm. This is interesting. And it's not a lobotomy? No. Or it is a lobotomy. <laughs> no, no, lobotomies actually are more likely to cause psychopaths yeah, than, than cure them, uh, oddly enough. So there's this character named Jimmy Fallon. Oh, yeah. Not the one you're thinking about. Uh, Professor James enough. Fallon. Okay. Of uh, <laughs> the Cal- University of California, Irving. Jimmy Fallon, if you are out there, we'd love yeah. to have you on the show. Yes, yes. <laughs> Even though you are a psychopath. Yeah. Well, hold on. Which Jimmy Fallon are we talking about? So James Fallon, he's a neuroscientist at the university and he's studying brain scans. So he's got a whole bunch of brain scans from prisoners and inmates of the correctional facilities and non-inmates. Mm. And he's uh, you know, looking through, he's gone, uh, um, I'm a genetic uh, absolutist. He, he believes that your genes basically dictate large portions of your behaviour. And so he's going, I'm looking for a way of identifying psychopaths based on brain scans. Right. So he's got all of these things and he's, he's gone through 70 of them and he's, and he's picked out, he's gone, these, these 30, um, I think, are psychopaths. Mm-hmm. And it turns out, in fact, yeah, he's, he's right, not 100%, but he's, yeah, it's 90, you know, he's, he's right up there. He's gone, yes. That is the brain scan of a psycho. That's what it looks like. And so he turns over to his next research project, which is Alzheimer's. He's studying Alzheimer's patients and he's got a control group, uh, which is in fact his family. And so he's looking through the brain scans Mm. of these guys and go, yeah, okay, making sure that they're not, uh, have Alzheimer's. Right. And he gets to the last one, he looks and he goes, oh, that's a psychopath. (laughs) Like I've just done this massive study and 
definitively identified psychopaths. And he goes, that can't be right. Like, I know my family. I don't have any psychopaths in my family. Although, actually, uh, you know, one of his uncles or grandparents was, uh, you know, um, accused of murdering someone at some point. And he's actually related to Lizzie Borden of the axe murder fame. Right. Although there's some question as to whether Lizzie Borden did it or not. But anyway, so he de-identifies it. He goes, okay, I'm going to basically ruin my Alzheimer's study mm-hmm. because it's all um, you know, de-identified. It's randomized. He doesn't know who's, you know, a brain scan looks like a brain scan. Yep. Undoes the coding and has a look to find out that it's his brain. Oh, dear. So the irony of the neuroscientist researching psychopaths and he's gone... I have just identified this pattern in brains, mm. this um, lack of activity in the, in the this prefrontal area of the brain, which is where empathy and um, you know emotional processing and impulse control is kept. Yeah, he goes, well, I don't know that I'm a psychopath, mm. so that's okay. You are a new, new there are some more. There are some more things. So he goes, <laughs> he gets a DNA test, yes, yeah. because he knows that there's additional markers here, which. It's actually not just the brain scan. He goes, there's, there's this M-O, uh, MAOA um, gene, right. which if you got that, you, you tend to be prone to violence, poor inhibition and criminal behaviour. Basically, right. people with, a, um, with that gene turned on are far more likely to be in prison. Mm. And if you have that gene and the psychopath gene, you're a serial killer. <laughs> you know, that's what he's saying. And the it, soup. So he does a DNA check. He's got that. <laughs> and so he's only going, oh, this, this is quite confronting because yeah, yeah. clearly like, he's married, he's got a family, he has social circle, he's a respected professor at a university, he's, he's clearly not a you know, serial killer. Well. And uh, so he's, you know. <laughs> His students may beg to differ. The funny thing is he, he <laughs> spoke to his wife and he said, oh, look, I've just got this result from my studies it says I'm a psychopath, and he and he's and he said that his wife was like, ah, oh, that makes sense, <laughs> and he's like, what? And yeah, he confronts his family, and the, yeah, his brother says, yeah, that tracks, mm. and his whole family sort of go, yeah, yeah, mm. and then that's when he thought about it. He looked and he went, well, it's not the. You know, he's like, I never let the grandkids win, so like I notice that other adults let like the little kids win the games. Yeah, I never do. <laughs> I prefer to stay home and watch the football game than go to my, you know, auntie's funeral mm. because, I mean, I wanted to see the results of the match. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a lack of empathy there because uh, because normal people would say, even if I didn't like the auntie, the rest of my family does. I'm yeah, going to go and Yeah, the respect, auntie's already dead anyway. I'm going to respect my family yeah. and yeah. their feelings and, yeah. and do the right thing. Mm. But he didn't. So when he started actually looking at these things and going, actually, yes, I do display you know, a lack of empathy. And yeah. he, he found, though, that he has no – he doesn't have the violent tendencies, but he, he's, he realized that he really likes winning debates. Mm. Like he, and, he, and he felt really compelled – to prove his theory of psychopath brains. Mm. And he's realized that uh, his psychopathic, you know, violence and murderous tendencies is, is, is really just in his quite, he's very competitive to a fault yep. and a bit annoying and he's a jerk and, you know, he, he will <laughs> argue with people. Yep. And, but he says, I, I, I've never 
hit anyone or yeah. you know murdered or raped <laughs> like it's like clearly there's something different here and this is where he had to uh, actually swallow his pride and say well you know I was wrong mm. we are not genetically determined because he had to look then at the psychopaths in prison and they almost to a person they all had abusive childhoods head trauma uh, you know environments that exposed them to crime and violence yeah. and and terror and so he's like, oh, okay. Whereas he was uh, an only child for a while mm. uh, at the end of a string of a lot of miscarriages. Right. So when he came along, he actually got a lot of attention yeah. and a lot of love because he was particularly parents. well valued as like uh, you know, a miracle child after yeah. all of this yeah, struggle. Yeah, yeah. And so he goes, well, okay, well, there's a difference. Like I actually had a loving and inclusive home, mm. definitely no abuse or neglect. Yeah, I was, yeah. I was encouraged and and obviously channeling my impulses into learning science mm. and yeah he, he his desire to discover secrets mm. and be the ones that uh, and the interesting point here is so that's great so he's not a serial killer mm-hmm. so we can say that it's actually his experiences so if you took Liam let's say Liam um, and wiped out all of his experience regarding that led to, you know, perhaps uh, perhaps the reason there was that photo of him alone as a child is kind of like, um, you know, because he had a neglected childhood and yep. he had trouble and, you know, wipe all that out. And now we expose him to these sort of forces where he's hurting people, he can see yeah, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. and he doesn't like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it also did give him quite a lot of empathy. Mm. But not every serial killer is a psychopath. Mm. Some of them are are kind of driven to it through their various yeah. problems they've had. Uh, and it's interesting that talking to uh, Fallon, this is like about 2013, he's like saying, well, the interesting thing that I've learned out of this is now he's actively trying to be a better person. He's going, yeah, right. well, since his experiences and he's realized a bit of a jerk, he's, well, he's actively paying more attention to what, he, he thinks, what would a normal person, what would my wife do? <laughs> yeah. I'll do that. And he said, don't make any mistake thinking it's because I want to be a good person. I don't care about that. But I don't want to be wrong. I don't want people to say he's a psychopath and he can't change when yeah. I've just proven, I have just proven that, I, <laughs> that, in fact, it's your experiences that make the difference. So I'm going yeah. to purposefully prove that I'm right. So he's actually, it's actually his psychopathic nature <laughs> that is driving him to want to prove everyone that he can appear uh-huh. normal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's interesting that he he does, you know, reiterate, he says, you know, like, I'm not being nice because I want to be like, I don't, I don't feel like I should be nice. Like, mm. like I don't have that feeling that it's an important thing. Yeah. Except I think it's important because it's what normal people do and I want to be the person who whose family has a good husband, has a good father, and mm. people go, he's really good. Like, so it's his ultra yeah, competitiveness yeah. as opposed to his niceness. Yeah, but yeah. at the end, the people around him appreciate it. Yeah. They go, oh, this is great. He's not doing this. He doesn't care really too much one way or the other, but he's putting the effort in, and yeah. that makes a difference. It I does. Suppose. Yeah. So, I, anyway, I thought that was a, a really great story. And there's a documentary about us. I, I actually saw it on an airplane once, but it's also written up in uh, the. Uh, uh, what's that magazine called? Uh, 
Scientific American. Gosh, or, no, no, normally Scientific American. Isn't it? No, this is this is the Smithsonian. Smithsonian. Smithsonian have, yeah. a, have a nice write up about it. There's yep. a bunch of other research done there by um, another other researchers. Rain, uh, what's their first name? I can't remember. A A Rain um, released a very interesting study regarding uh, different causing you know, causative of correlation yeah, yeah. of factors for yeah. violent behavior mm. and and it does it comes down to this behavior so that's another good reason to be nice to your kids because <laughs> you never know and i'm going to take you know, not that i think it's important to be nice to my kids but i'm going to try to you know prove that this research was correct <laughs> me too am i a psychopath hmm. mm, very interesting so you know, the idea of Radius, I think, as a sci-fi film is a really good example of a low-budget, um, tight-knit science fiction story based on a really, really good what-if. Mm. You know, if you take this what-if of a, you know, what happens if a human has a death radius around them, you know? Mm. And I think it's also like, who do you, who do you give that to? Who, as a writer, who would you give a death radius to? Yeah. If you give it to a serial killer, they're going to run into the city and kill as many people as they want. Well, that's, but then that's if you a wipe their story, memory, like, could you could you change a serial killer? You mm. know, so it makes it all the more juicy as a story. If 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 um, Liam was just a normal landscaper, yes. It doesn't have that extra depth to it, does it? As a story, no, no, that, it doesn't. It doesn't it, grab you. That ending, I'm not sure what you do in the ending there. Like you could still have him sacrifice himself to save other people, but yeah. it has no weight to it. Doesn't it. have as much weight because what has yeah. he really given up? What yes. is and like? What has he achieved through his yeah. death? Whereas Liam, the serial killer, what I really like was a double edge, which was one, he's given up a life of hope and being a good person. Mm. But at the same time, it's kind of a punishment. He's accepting accepting his past misdeeds and atoning well, for it. Yeah. And and like we always say, m- most of the time the journey for the character at the end, they're f- at the climax of the film, they're really tested for what they have learnt on their journey. Yeah. And by the end of this journey, he knows his past. Yes. He knows he was a serial killer. He knows what he's done. And he could have, and then, and then Jane is already dying. He could have just let her die, no, that, and that, then he that, could be go back to his old life, right? That'd, and that'd he, be a villain origin story, yeah, right? It? Yeah, yeah. And but he could have. And yeah. this is the thing about story is that we go on a series of st- uh, plot points. The character can't just go along a bus ride. It's got to choose to ride the bus. Yes, and ultimately the metaphor is. The perfect metaphor of a story is like really the opposite of the character. So a serial killer that gets a death with a death radius around him, yay, origin villain story. Yes. Or is he wiped clean and he's actually real, realizes that he doesn't want people to die? Yeah. And even when he knows his past, the past person that he was, he still doesn't want people to die now because yeah. he's gone on that journey. Yeah, he's he's seen this effect. Um, he's, yeah, he's seen the emotional trauma that Rose yeah. has felt for the loss of Lily. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, and these people around him that yeah. just dropped dead. You know, like it, the realization of it. So he has learnt tremendously. So this is a real thumbs up. This film. This is a real little, you know, sleeper, isn't it? Really? I think like so. it's in the dark. More people need to know about it, this film. It looks like a you know. A straight to video, yeah, it does. Like, it does like a made for streaming yeah. or a TV special, but 
It's got a lot the, more the, going the on. The quality of the the story and and like yeah, the direction and the camera work and yeah. so it was really quite good. There's some it's very great nice stuff. There's motives, sort of framing, editing, editing. It's, yeah. yeah, and you get to the end. As I said, when those when his eyes were open and the credits rolled, yeah, it was just again that that eyes open compared to mm. eyes closed. That's yeah. like if you're not great paying attention, ends. even yeah, you sort of go, ah, oh, that was that's really nice. That yeah. I because I, I think I've said it before in this, I do love redemption stories. Like yeah. that's. That's one of my bits that I really. That's what I really loved about Pitch, da- Pitch Black. Yeah, was Vin Diesel character's yeah, redemption yeah. from being uh, a low life scumbag. We don't even know if he committed crimes or yeah, not. Yeah, yeah. Like he was definitely in prison. Was he for a good reason or not? Who yeah, knows? We don't it, it's not know. clear. Mm. He was accused of things, but we still don't even know what he was accused of mm. killing some people. But but he comes good at the end. Yeah, and yeah, the, yeah and and so you love it. And this serial killer. By the end of it, you're sort of going, I was barracking for a serial killer to win. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Uh, and the only way you can get closure on that is that he died. And you go, oh, it's so tragic that he killed himself. But at the same time, it's so appropriate that this serial killer took himself out. Yeah. Um, so that he's, so, he's not killing anyone else. It's just. So brilliant story, right? Yeah. Like brilliant writing. Fantastic. You know, if you want to be a writer, go check it out. So, yeah, well done to the crew behind Radius. So that brings us to the end of Act 3 of our podcast and uh, heads us into what we're going to do next time and what you should be doing for Space Brain. So first of all, if you haven't made a science fiction short film, do it. Submit to Space Brain's Film Festival 2023. We do music videos as well. So We do do music videos. Do yeah. music video. And you should be really in post-production right now. If not, panic. <laughs> Go make it something really quick. Uh, there's still a little bit of time, but go do it. If not, if you're local to or you want to come to Mandra and check out the actual event, it's going to be a cracker of a day. We're going to be talking lots about podcasts, science fiction, writing, uh, filmmaking, and looking at some great films. So mm. just a really good day out if you're into um, science fiction, film, and, and all those other areas. Um, if you are listening to us anywhere on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere you do get podcasts, why not give us a rating? Why not leave a review? Or why not share to one of your friends? Rec- recommend us, recommend to, your us friends. to someone. So just you know, get the podcast out to more and more people. Recommend us to Carolyn and Steve. <laughs> That's right. If you do know them, yeah, hit them up and let us know that we'd love to have a chat with them. Uh, and you can also check us out on all the socials and on our website. We're on. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, etc. Uh, spacebrains.com.au. .au. Yes. <laughs> That's what I was trying to remember. Uh, yeah, so, you know, and you can also hit us, message us, uh, email us, and let us know what you thought. Next episode, we're going to lighten the mood. Next episode. And it oh, is geez. a classic because it's episode 95. About time we lighted the mood. Yeah, we've been very serious. It's all dark and, you know, the time has come. That's about time. To- it is about time to lighten up the mood. We've done a lot of serious films. So for this classic, might surprise a few people out there, but this is a British science fiction film called... About Time. About Time, yes. Yes. <laughs> if you haven't seen it, go check it out. This is a great one. It's one of my... Um, or it's... I don't know, yeah. Yeah, one of my wife's favourite film. It's um, cool. I watched, it's a I watched great it film. recently for a second or third time with my yeah. wife because it, it defies... It defies a couple of genres yeah, it does. and it, 
it works in nicely and you're, and you're left off with a nice taste in your mouth. It is. And Bill Niley, uh, who plays the father, is brilliant oh, I in love this. Him. There's some great acting performances in this by all of them, but Bill Niley... This is a film that I fell in love with, Bill Niley. So, um, yeah, it's a great film. It's a very comforting film. It makes you cry, makes you laugh. Um, yeah, it's a great science fiction. And, it, of course, time travel. I always love time travel. Time travel. So I can't wait to talk about, about time with you next time. It is about time to say goodbye. goodbye. See ya. <laughs> Bye. Bye.